Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we might have understanding of your word, even the tricky bits, and that, Lord, you would help us to understand about both your judgment and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you are a just God. Would you come by your spirit and open our eyes and open our ears and our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please take your seats. Well, this um, season that we're in at the moment is called the kingdom season. It's a very short season in the life of the church. It's just between All Saints Day and Advent. So it's only a few weeks. And as Clara said, we're looking at this sort of theme of the coming of the Lord, the coming of the kingdom. And as we have thought about before, the kingdom of God is both here, but it's not here. It's the now and not yet of the kingdom, as theologians often talk about it. So the kingdom of God has come. It was inaugurated with the coming of Jesus, but actually it is yet to be fully realized. And in fact, the ultimate day of the Lord that this passage is about, uh, the, the, the Zephaniah passage and also the gospel passage to some extent, hasn't actually fully come yet. It won't fully come until Jesus comes again. Now, I have to confess, I don't know what you thought about that Zephaniah passage. Um, I have to confess, I very nearly didn't preach on it. Because <laughs> I read it and I thought, flipping it, this is depressing. Um, and it does seem pretty depressing. It seems, well, it is an oracle of gloom. It, it really is. But actually, we will look in a moment at what Zephaniah goes on to say uh, when actually he talks about repentance and God's mercy as well. Um, but we do have to accept that there are parts of Scripture that are really tough, that are challenging, that are difficult. And we have to recognize that part of God's character, part of the, his character of justice, is that actually there will be judgment. And Zephaniah, like all good prophets, likes a good metaphor, likes to play with words. And so he paints a pretty grim picture, doesn't he, of what the day of judgment will be like. Uh, the day of the Lord. Now we have to bear in mind that this isn't necessarily something that happened then or is going to happen, but it's a warning about what, what the consequences are, that there are consequences of our sin, there are consequences of our rebellion. So just a bit of uh, context, Zephaniah prophesied in the days of King Josiah, he was sort of around the same time as um, Jeremiah, and Josiah was one of the last sort of just kings, if you like. He ruled in the late 7th century in the kingdom of Judah. Uh, and unfortunately, Josiah's efforts were a little bit too late, but um, too little and too late. And his death marked the last years of the nation of Judah. So Josiah is a reforming king. He's trying to reestablish acceptable worship practices um, but actually, as I say, he was a bit too late with that. And the prophets always look back to the sort of golden days of the, kingdom, of the um, nation of Israel. They look back to the days of Solomon, the days of David, the time when kings and the people were seeking uh, God and living in his ways. But unfortunately, things started to go wrong as successive kings failed to follow the ways of the Lord and they led their people astray. And then the nation split into two kingdoms, the northern and southern kingdoms. 
And so Judah is in the south, and you have Israel in the north. And Jerusalem was actually the capital of Judah in the south. So this is the context in which Zephaniah is preaching. There's already been a split in the kingdom. The northern kingdom has already been taken away into exile about 100 years earlier. And Judah is teetering on the edge uh, of this judgment that is to come. And so Zephaniah, like all the prophets, has this rather unpopular job of announcing announcing judgment. Um, And, you know, even within his lifetime, he would have seen the exile of people like Daniel and his friends to Babylon. And a bit later, Ezekiel was also exiled to Babylon as well. So he's prophesying in a time of tremendous upheaval. uh, And as I say, eventually Jerusalem would fall to the Babylonians and be destroyed. So I guess with all of that... It was quite hard for Zephaniah to have an upbeat message because he could see what it was that was going to happen, what it was that potentially could happen. So it's a message of judgment. But as we'll see in a moment, we'll come to this a bit later, there's also also preservation for those who are faithful. And actually, the remnant of the faithful will still be used to be a blessing to other nations. Remember, that was the whole point of the covenant, wasn't it? The two great themes of Scripture are kingdom and covenant. And the whole point of the covenant was that actually the people of God were called to be a blessing to other nations, to be an example of what happens when people are faithful to God. And of course, unfortunately, time after time, the people of God broke their side of the bargain. They broke their side of the covenant. And the whole point of these prophetic uh, oracles, these sort of pronouncements of doom and judgment, are actually to evoke repentance. It's not actually because the prophet wants to see these things happen or because God wants to see these things happen, actually, but because God longs for the covenant to be restored, for the people to turn back to God, to repent to be restored, to be reconciled. So let's think a little bit about the day of the Lord that that Zephaniah talks about. Well, the day of the Lord has two aspects. First of all, it is about judgment. We've we've heard quite a lot of that against those who sin against God and against the nations who uh, sin against God. But it's also about blessing for those who repent and those who humble themselves and those who follow God. But the other thing to remember about the day of the Lord is it's not like a day as in, you know, the 19th of November 2017. It's a bit like when Jesus talks about a time is coming. It's what's called Kairos time. It's like a significant moment. It's a significant shift um, of, of time. So it's not so much about a specific day, but it's about a movement towards the coming of the kingdom, towards the coming of God towards a day of judgment. It's a movement of God towards his people to say, I want this relationship, this covenant relationship to be restored. And the day of the Lord is the day on which that is going to happen. So there will be a day of judgment. Uh, And actually for those of us who are children of the light, there's nothing to fear. But actually there is something real to fear for those who have continually and um, repeatedly rebelled and turned away from the Lord. So why does a loving God bring judgment? You know, that's really the key question, isn't it? 
Why does a loving God bring judgment? Well, the short answer is because he is a God of justice. God is a God of justice. And there cannot be justice without judgment. There cannot be justice without judgment. On a very small scale, you know, we all have a sort of fairly heightened sense of our own justice, don't we? Um, I came across, this is one of those classic sort of things of um, complaints written to local councils by tenants. So this is to let you know that our lavatory seat is broken and we can't get BBC Two. (laughs) 50% of the walls are damp, 50% have crumbling plaster and the rest are plain filthy. Got to do the maths there. I'm writing on behalf of my sink which is coming away from the wall. Will you please send a man to look at my water? It is a funny colour and it is not fit to drink. (laughs) So, you know, in a very small way, we also want justice, don't we? We want things to be right. And actually, that's, that's a good impulse that we each have to see restoration, to see things right, to see things is part of the five marks of mission, to seek justice is part of our outward dimension to seek justice where there is injustice. And the good news is, is that if you have ever felt uh, that injustice has been meted out on you, then one day there will be justice. So elsewhere in Scripture, uh, we're told you know, that it's not ours to seek vengeance, that one day God will, will come and there will be justice. So if you've ever suffered injustice, we have to trust that one day everything will be restored and there will be justice. So God is a God of justice, and that includes judgment as well as mercy. And in fact, what God longs for, his heart for us, is that we are people who are whole. We are people who are at peace. That amazingly rich Old Testament word of shalom, we translate it as peace, but that's not really a big enough word. It's about wholeness and well-being. And that's actually what God wants for every one of us. He wants wholeness and he wants well-being And the way we get that is to be in right relationship with God and to be in right relationship with one another. That's it. Easy. (laughs) If only. But that's what God is seeking. He's seeking the shalom of his people. And so when we hear these prophets of doom and gloom, it is them acting as God's mouthpiece to say, People, wake up! Wake up from your slumber. Return to me, because I long for you to have that fullness of relationship. And that, by the way, is what the parable of the bags of gold, as we heard, not the talents, in this translation. That's what it's about. It's about actually taking what we've been given, whether that's ten bags or five bags or one bag, the life we have been given, and using it to its full. Living life to the full, as John says, as Jesus says in John 10, verse 10. We're called to live life to the full in its wholeness, its shalom, its completeness. And that's what the parable of the talents is about. It's not about it is partly about using the things we've been given, but it's it's a bigger picture than that. It's about participating, because it's not about us, it's about God. It's about participating in the life that He has given to each one of us. Okay, I'm getting carried away. So we haven't got much time. So let me just um, just say that there is hope. Okay, so God is also a God of mercy and a God of hope. So in chapter 2 of Zephaniah, just in, think, in case you thought it was all doom and gloom, uh, he says this, Gather together, gather yourselves together, you shameful nation. Well, that's not so good. Before the, decree takes, before the decree takes effect, 
and the day passes like wind-blown chaff before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord wrath comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. So there's a little note of hopefulness there. And I don't know about you, but I cannot help thinking that this prayer is pretty relevant for our nation today and for our nations. Not that we want to be doomsayers in this nation. We've got to be really careful not to be that. We've got to be people who actually paint a better picture. Rather than saying, oh, this is all terrible, doom and gloom, um, it's actually about saying, we, we want to invite you to follow the king. Come and see this person that has changed our lives. Come and see that there is a better future that the day of the Lord can be a glorious thing. It can be a day of salvation, not a day of judgment. Come and see that we can be transformed and set free and restored and forgiven. That's what we're called to do in this nation where we might despair when we see particular things happening, when we see that there is a bit of a lack of humility, a bit of a lack of seeking the Lord. Well, what we need to do in response, rather than wagging our finger, is to seek the Lord more earnestly ourselves and then to paint a better picture, to tell a better story. And then finally in chapter 3, we see the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. Isn't that wonderful? In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That is what God wants for us. He takes delight in us. He wants to sing over us uh, with singing, rejoice over us with singing. So God's character, yes, includes justice, it includes holiness, it includes righteousness, it includes intolerance of sin, absolutely. But it also includes grace, love and forgiveness. And the judgment of God is ultimately an act of purification to bring people back into relationship with him. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Now if we'd had time, I was going to read to you from 1 Thessalonians, which is the other reading that we have um, Uh, For today, I will put that in the Bible notes that will go out. Uh, Do read 1 Thessalonians 5 because that gives us the the, the New Testament lens through which we also need to read the Old Testament. Let me just read you a couple of verses. Uh, But since we belong to the day, that's us as Christians, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. And then a bit later on, um, a bit later on, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's have sober judgment. Let's take seriously these words of judgment, but equally let's not be so condemned by them that we forget that we are set free when we put our trust in Jesus. So examine your heart, examine your conscience. Seek, think about how you are actively seeking the Lord at the moment. How you are actively humbling yourselves before him. And as we bring ourselves before him, we know that he is faithful and just. That he will forgive us our sins when we repent and when we turn to him. Let's just be still for a moment. Lord, we acknowledge that your justice includes judgment. Your justice includes intolerance of sin. 
Thank you, Lord, that we have already received your forgiveness. And thank you that as we come to your table, that you promise to feed us, to nourish us deeply with your body and blood. So, Lord, help us to tell a different story, to tell a better story than the one we often see in the papers and on the news and in the, on, the, on the social media. Lord, would we be people of hope? Would we be people who seek to reconcile people to God, to say, come and see what my Lord has done for me? So draw us close to you as your people, we pray, that we might be a light to this community, to this nation, and to the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>